So um, let me just start by just sharing uh, just, a, a, just a, a little bit of a, a personal story about what happened. Uh, one area of struggle in, in, in my life that I've had in the past was actually an employment struggle. Uh, I, I work right now at Citizens Bank, and most people know that I am going to be retiring from Citizens Bank in a couple of months. Uh, not that I'm counting, but it's in five months and ten days. But not that I'm counting. Um, why am I retiring? Because I feel the Lord wants me to retire and wants me to go full-time into ministry. Uh, I don't, does it mean that, does it mean that I have, we have enough money saved to last us? No. Uh, does it mean that it, it, the, 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 the math adds up? No. But I do feel the Lord wanting us to take the risk and, and, and devote more time to Mishkan and to retire from the secular job. But I want to say this about the secular job I have at Citizens Bank. I operate there under an anointing. And I don't say that lightly. I operate at Citizens Bank under an anointing and favor from God. God is with me at that job. He makes it easy for me. He gives me favor. From bottom to the top, I get favor. I get accolades. Uh, the things that I put my hands to, I'm ready. The things I put my hands to excel and do well. Thank you. And it's God. But I want to share with you how I got to the place of being in a place of anointing at my job. Before I worked at Pfizer, I worked at Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. Now, Pfizer Pharmaceuticals has became known in modern times because of the COVID vaccine. Before that, they were more known for Lipitor and some other blockbuster drugs. But my time at Pfizer was about 11 years, and it was hell. Now, I was, before Pfizer, I was a computer programmer. And I knew what I was doing as a computer programmer. I could make my computers jump and do backflips, spin, dance, anything that my boss asked me to do with the computer, I was able to program it and it did it. I was very good at it. But when Pfizer bought the company that I worked for, they did not hire any computer programmers, so they turned me into a project manager. And I didn't know anything about project managers. So I was no longer like in a cubicle by myself. Leave me alone. I'll do it. I got this. I can make the computer spin and dance. Now I had to kind of run big projects and manage the resources and manage the money and manage the timelines and all these things that I was not trained at all for. And for 11 years, I struggled. 11 years, I didn't know what I was doing. And it showed. I had terrible reviews. I was put on performance Improvement plans, it was a bad experience. And after 11 years, and it just never, it never took. It never, it never got ingrained in me, these processes about project, managing projects. It never, it never just registered with me. I always struggled, and I was dealing with new technologies. I was dealing with technologies like Espace and Hyperion and all these financial softwares that I'd know nothing about, and people would try to explain it to me, and I was like... I, I just couldn't grasp it. And after 11 years of struggle at my job, they finally fired me. And that was the best day of my life. I was so happy to be out of there. So now I'm unemployed, and it's time to get another job. 
And I saw that Citizens Bank had an opening, and I applied for Citizens Bank, and I gave them my resume, and I did what every good believer would do. I lied my butt off on the resume. <laughs> because I couldn't tell them that I was a terrible project manager. Like, what, that wouldn't get me a job. So I told them in all these flowery terms, managed multi-million dollar projects at Pfizer, and well, it didn't really tell them about my failures. Nonetheless, I got the job. And now I step into Citizens Bank, and now I'm, I'm called to do the things that I was failing at at Pfizer. And all of a sudden, everything that did not click for me at Pfizer clicked. It was the Lord. Even they had the same, I was working also with these same technologies, the S-Base and the Hyperion that I didn't understand, I just couldn't grasp it at Pfizer. All of a sudden I'm looking at it like, oh yeah, I know, I know that, yeah, I know what to do. And I was managing projects and doing everything they asked for and more and getting accolades, like I said, top to bottom, awards, credo champion of the year. You know, Tammy knows what that is because she used to work at Citizens Bank. And what, why? Why did I... Why am I operating under an anointing? Why am I operating under such favor? I believe now in retrospect, because I always say that one of my favorite verses in the Bible is hindsight is always 2020. I don't know what Bible it's in, but it's in there. But in retrospect, all the suffering that I went through at my first job, I didn't know it then, but it was training ground for this new job, all of a sudden I had to do the same things and I'm excelling at the things that I failed at at Pfizer. Do you understand that? So all this time, 11 years of struggling greatly, and it wasn't just the job. A lot of things in our lives are really crumbling at the time. That was the time that my father came down with, with dementia and I wound up being his caretaker. And there was just a lot of things that were going wrong in our lives. But all of that, all of that struggle and all of that pain wound up being preparation and training ground for what he was bringing me to. And now I can operate under his favor. There's a scripture in our Torah portion which moved me when I read it. Now, as Brandon articulated, we're at the last, the last few plagues in the Torah portion. And we know what the last plague is. It's the death of the firstborn. And it's when God comes down and he um, strikes down the firstborn in all of Egypt. Now, this is a hard thing, right? I mean, the firstborn, they didn't really do anything wrong. I mean, there were people firstborn, whether they were older firstborns or baby firstborns, they didn't necessarily do anything wrong. But God's hand, like Brandon says, hand came down and, and judged them. But after the firstborn went through this suffering, God says something else. He says, consecrate to me the firstborn. Everything that comes out of the womb now, male, whether it's human or animal, is now mine. So let me just clarify what this is saying. That the firstborn went through a major, major suffering, devastation, even at the hands of the Lord. But because of that, God said, now the firstborns moving forward are mine. What God is saying is that when you go through suffering, when you come out of that, there's consecration that happens after that. He kills the firstborns, and then he says, now I'm consecrating the firstborns. Which means that when we go through times of great struggle, God sees it, and he has a consecration in mind at the end of it. And I believe that so strongly. And why do I believe that so strongly? Because the Lord Yeshua is familiar with our suffering. 
You know, the firstborns, he consecrated the firstborn because ultimately, you know who the firstborn is? Yeshua. It says he's the firstborn. So ultimately, the firstborns needed to go through this devastation, needed to go through this to become like him. Because he is acquainted with grief. And somewhere it says that he was slain before the foundations of the world. So the Lord is familiar with suffering. And because of that, sometimes we have to go through suffering to bring about glory. We're partakers of his suffering, and we're partakers of his glory. And we always have to remember that because, you know, nobody likes to suffer. You know, one of the least favorite, least likable verses in all of Scripture is not only this, we rejoice in our sufferings. This is the most hated scripture in all of scripture. Rejoice in our sufferings because nobody wants to do that because suffering is not fun. Suffering is not a good thing. But God sees the challenges and the sufferings that we go through through a different lens, and he sees gold coming out of this. He sees Yeshua coming out of this. He brought suffering to the firstborn, and now he says, okay, firstborn, rise up. I'm, I'm consecrating you. You may be suffering in some area of your life, but God sees a sanctification through that. And we're encouraged by that, and we must always remember that, that there's a sanctification that comes out of suffering. It says rejoice in our sufferings, but it doesn't just end there. It tells us why. It says because suffering brings about some good fruit. It brings about perseverance, and perseverance kind of ups our character. I think a lot of people need to up their character a little bit. You know, we're in a society where nobody really... Nobody ever wants to suffer, but we're in a society where everything is just so easy for everyone that they forget, that people just don't realize that there is growth that comes out of the suffering that we experience. And, and Paul says that it brings about an, our perseverance and our character and hope. And speaking of perseverance, it says in Revelation that there's a perseverance that happens in the tribulation times, this is the perseverance of the saints. It says that a couple of times in the, in the book of Revelation, the perseverance of the saints. Now it says, Paul said that suffering brings about perseverance. But there's perseverance within the tribulation, it says in Revelation. And last week I spoke about the witnesses, the two witnesses. And not to go into all the detail, but I believe that the two witnesses are not some Old Testament biblical characters that are coming back. I believe it's Jew and Gentile, the two witnesses. And the reason I believe that is because the, um, the way that John describes the two witnesses is exactly the way Zechariah describes the two witnesses, and he calls them olive branches. And we know the olive branches are Jew and Gentile from Romans 11. That's why I think it's Jew and Gentile. I don't think it's, it's these amazing Old Testament heroes that all of a sudden show up at trumpet number six. I think these are regular folk like you and me that went through trumpet numbers one through five. They didn't just show up, in my opinion. They don't just show up there in, in, in trumpet number six. Here we are. We're going to do these amazing things. How did they get this way? Perhaps that the two witnesses got their anointing, got their power, got the, 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 amazing, the amazing power that they got from God to do these miracles. Maybe it's because they went through trumpets number one through five. Maybe they didn't just show up at trumpet number six. Maybe they were there through trumpet number one through five and saw all this devastation and experienced all the devastation, and it was coming through that where now we see them prepared by God, sanctified and consecrated to do amazing things. 
And that's how God sees our suffering. And it's, it's so easy to say, yeah, you know, I, it's, it sounds really good, but, you know, I'm dealing, with, I'm dealing with health issues. I'm dealing with financial issues. But I tell you that God has purpose for suffering for his people. He transforms us into the image of his son. And even Yeshua, it says he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Now, this doesn't make sense when you think of Yeshua in his divinity, but it certainly makes sense in his humanity that he learned, he learned obedience through the things, things which he suffered. So even Yeshua, even Yeshua had to, had to experience, you know, from his suffering, something that made him who he is, that turned him into who he is. Do you understand that? Even Yeshua had to learn from the things he suffered. And having been perfected, it says he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. So I just want to give a word of encouragement to those who are going through a time of suffering, that there's purpose for these things. There's purpose for these things. God doesn't just do it for no reason. He does it to extract, extract Yeshua in you. Because Yeshua is acquainted with grief. He was slain before the foundations of the world. And I don't know if the evangelist that spoke to you, that promised you that when you accept the Lord, that everything's going to be all well. I don't know if that evangelist that spoke to you or that pastor that originally spoke to you when you first accepted the Lord told you that everything's going to be great. If he did, he was lying. Because Yeshua said in this world, we're going to have tribulation. We're going to have trial. We're going to have these things. But he's overcome the world, and he uses these things to consecrate us. And he uses these things to consecrate you. All the things that we go through, the struggles that we go through, the suffering that we go through is for a purpose in the Lord. It's to extract the Son of God within us. I believe that the, that the firstborn of Egypt represents our flesh that has to die. And the firstborn that's consecrated represents the Lord within us that needs to come out. I believe that the firstborns of Egypt that had to die represents like the first Adam within us. And the firstborn that were consecrated after that represents the second Adam within us. It reminds me of the story of King David's sons. Now we know that the son of David is a prophecy of the Messiah. The son of David. But you know that King David's firstborn had to die. Similar thing. We see a similarity there. King David's firstborn had to die because that firstborn came from sin, had to die. But what happened after that? Right after that, out comes Solomon, the one that the messianic line was truly to come through. So in a way, that firstborn has to die. In speaking in spirit, that firstborn, that first Adam within us has to die so Yeshua can rise up within us that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and the fellowship of his, of his suffering. We get all bothered and goosebumpy over the power of his resurrection. We don't get all goosebumpy over the fellowship of his suffering, but it says being conformed to his death so we may attain, attain to the resurrection from the dead. Isn't that amazing? We have to be conformed to his death so we can attain the resurrection from death. We have to be conformed to his death to attain the resurrection from death. It's part of our life with him. But there's a resurrection that comes out of our suffering. And remember that. Remember that. Don't get too comfortable in your suffering. Don't seek the living among the dead. That might be a word for you that's off the PowerPoint. Don't seek the living among the dead. He's not here. 
Don't get comfortable. Don't make friends with your suffering. Don't make friends with your suffering. God has a purpose for it and a time limit to it as well. You know, Peter, 1 Peter 4 is a great chapter to read when it talks about preparation for what's coming. And he says something about, he says a lot about suffering, but he says this. He says, make sure that none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. In other words, don't suffer from making some bad choices. Don't suffer from not doing the right thing before the Lord. Don't suffer from doing things that are actually sinful. Don't suffer for just making the wrong decisions. Don't let your suffering be about that. But if you suffer for being a follower of the Messiah, rejoice. One of my favorite scriptures is in Zechariah 3, and it speaks about this priest, and his name is Joshua. Then he showed me, showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the Lord. So just to tell you that what's happening in this time frame, this is right after the exile. Zechariah wrote right after the Babylonian exile. This is the time when Zechariah wrote. So the people of God, the Jewish people, the Israelites, they were in exile in Babylon for 70 years. And this is the end of the exile. That sounds familiar to us, right? The end of the exile. The end of the Babylonian exile. And Joshua was a high priest. He was a Kohen, Hagadol. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the Lord and Satan standing at his right to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Who's the one who spoke to Satan here? The Lord. The Lord said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. See, we can go to our, our, our deliverance ministers when we're suffering so we can have somebody like cast out Satan. But you know what? Sometimes these things have to go for a season. Somebody could have cast, me, cast out Satan for me for my 11 years of struggling at Pfizer. It wouldn't have worked. I had to go there for the season that God ordained it to be. But when it happened, God extracted me out of there. And the Lord said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Now that's deliverance ministry. The Lord evoked his own name. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Come on now. That is deliverance ministry. The Lord said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. That's amazing to me. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand snatched from the fire? In other words, that this Joshua, this high priest Joshua, was in the fire. In the fire. The fire was Babylon. But he was pulled out of it in the right time. In the right time, the Lord pulled this man Joshua out of the fire, and the Lord said, Satan, I rebuke you. Get away from him. And he cleans him up, and he takes off his filthy garments, and he puts on clean garments. I don't like this thing. Remove the filthy garments. Just in, to summarize, he was in the fire for as long as he had to be. But when it was time for him to go, God rebuked Satan and said, okay, it's time for him to get out. It's time for him to get out. I'm telling you, there's people here that need to hear that, that this thing is for a season. You're in the oven. You're in the fire. You're, you're feeling the, the burning and, and, and in, the, for, in things in your life. But there's a time coming the Lord says, pull her out. Time to pull her out. Pull her out. And the Lord says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And, you put, and put, hey, God, puts, God puts clean clothes on you. Come on, somebody. Baruch Hashem. Thank you, Father. Romans says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. It has to be revealed in us. In us. 
the suffering doesn't compare to the glory to be revealed in you. Listen, take this, own it. The suffering does not compare to the glory to be revealed in you. The suffering does not compare to the glory to be revealed in you. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Who are the sons of God? That's you. It doesn't say revealing of the Son of God. Creation awaits the revealing of the Son of God. But in this scripture, it says it awaits anxiously the revealing of the sons of God. This is you when God pulls you out of the fire. This is you when God pulls you out of the fire. This is the consecrated firstborn. Not the firstborn that's struggling. Not the firstborn that's going through judgment. Not the firstborn that's going through, going through hardship. The firstborn that God is going to extract out of you. Thank you, Father. Don't be surprised of the struggling that you're going through. Don't be surprised for the struggling that you're going through. God has purpose and plan for these things. Probably doesn't feel very good to the gold to be in the fire, the silver to be in the fire, to have all that dross come out. It probably doesn't feel very good. It probably feels very, very hot. But what comes out of there is glorious and beautiful. And worthy of praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. So, Father, everyone here that's going through struggle, just I pray, Lord God, that they know that they're just not going through struggle for nothing. They're sharing in the struggles and the suffering of the Lord, because that's what it says. And as the Lord was raised, so we shall be raised. Thank you, Father. God is raising up an army. I do believe that those two witnesses that we see appearing in the sixth trumpet. I believe that they went through trumpets one through five. And that's suffering. But look what came out of it. That's a word for us. Bless the Lord.